Hey guys, going to give a little disclaimer for today's episode. It's going to be one of those that isn't going to be as peppy and funny and upbeat as it normally is. And so if you're looking for a pick-me-up today, um, unfortunately, that's not going to be this episode. Um, today, I'm going to be talking about navigating through grief, um, talking about uh, some of the things that I'm struggling with and some of the things that I think help me navigate through it. So definitely going to be on the darker side today. So just uh, if you are looking for something peppy, definitely come back next week. So let's get started. Hi, I'm Stephanie Wainwright. I'm a wife, a mom, a business owner, and my life is chaotic all the time. So I created this podcast to help you find the funny, the good, while navigating through the chaos. This is Chaotic Compass Podcast. This is something that um, has definitely been weighing on me, and I feel like if I can talk about it um, with this one episode and I touch one person, and I help them navigate through something that they're going through, then I definitely feel like it makes an impact and it's important to talk about. Um, Grief shows up in a variety of different ways and everybody handles it very differently. So I'm going to talk about how I handle it. And it doesn't mean that that's right for you. And I definitely recommend if you are struggling with something to seek professional help. I'm just a girl on the interweb and I'm sharing my opinions and my uh, my story. Take what you think applies to you and leave the rest, but definitely seek out professional help if this is resonating with you. With that said, I'm going to uh, read a little bit uh, from a journal entry I had. Um, I write. My writing is my refuge. It helps me get everything that's jumbled up in my brain out onto a piece of paper. And it may not make sense on a piece of paper, but at least it's out of my head. So here we go. One person that holds a very important piece to my heart died over a year ago. You would think that time would heal that wound, but it doesn't. I don't know who said that phrase, time heals all wounds. I think it was something that meant to help the person who was struggling, but ended up sticking and now it's pretty traumatic if you really think about it, like placing a fake norm on society, when in reality, everyone never really is healed. They just carry it around. When what the saying should be is the The pain of losing that loved one never goes away. You just make space for it. You grow as a person, and the loss doesn't grow, so it's a little easier to carry around, but never goes away. It becomes a part of you. I feel it's the same with trauma. It becomes a part of your DNA and changes who you are and who you may have become. With either case, do I still need to go to therapy? Yes. Am I? No. But for now... I've been writing it down, and now I'm saying it out loud and getting it out of my head. All of this has been living rent-free for a very long time. Time heals all wounds. Pretty sure it came from a guy that meant it literally, like from an ancient battle or something. Like, yes, 
you have a huge hole in your chest. In a bit of time, it shall heal. My coping mechanism is comedy. Well, alcohol. But as I've gotten older, it's harder to see the funny in some things. Like, like politics. Those are elected officials. Those people make laws and are supposed to be leaders. That shit isn't funny. So the alcohol consumption definitely has increased over the last few years. I can see why he drank. He was the funny one. He wanted everyone to laugh. Classic middle child syndrome. A people pleaser. I see that in my son, who is my youngest, but in our family, he's the middle child. And just like my son, Andrew was always that guy you could talk to at any hour about anything. It's why I kick myself those last few times Andrew tried to call me at 2 a.m. about a month before he died. And I never called him back because I had whatever going on. It's why I'm sure when he knew he was dying, he didn't call me. Because I wasn't that person to go to. I don't know how he dealt with death during his final days. Was he afraid? Was he joyful? Was he even aware since toxin levels in his body were so high because he didn't have a liver to filter them? Would he even have known me if I had made it in time? Would he have wanted me around? Did he hate me? I ask all of these stupid questions a thousand times over since he has died. I feel him with me, or so I think. Maybe I'm just crazy and or haunted by something completely unrelated. The last text I had with him was about six months before he died. Six fucking months. Six months. I talked to him on the phone since then, but it was always brief. Did you have any regrets? Why did you drown yourself in alcohol? What pain were you trying to mask? The last thing you texted to me was, I can be your refuge. Does that still apply now? Can I FaceTime you in heaven? Can you send me a selfie with Jesus? Are you hanging out with my grandparents? I don't want to sit here and cry. It doesn't make me feel better. It doesn't bring you back. I've cried so much. People say sitting in it and processing it is the best way to heal. What is there to process? You are dead. I can't fix it. Although my questions are unanswered still. I feel like I should honor you in some way. You had such a huge impact on so many people's lives. You brought so many people to Christ, including myself. How do I honor you? I don't even know what I want out of this life. And uh, I think that's where I uh, got to this point and I couldn't get it together and I stopped I stopped uh, writing. I asked the same questions over and over. And it doesn't do me any good. And I don't know why I keep asking these questions. Because it's not like I can, you know, I can't FaceTime him. I can't ask how he's doing. It's so flipping hard. With that being said, a lot of people don't really know that grief shows up with different things one of the top things when I was I was Googling, um, so helpguide.org had this really interesting article. And there was a list of, of things as far as uh, things that might trigger grief. Um, and the number one thing, and I, thinking back, it's like, yeah, yeah, like, 
I can see that now, but I don't think in the moment I really was cognizant of it. When I was going through both of my divorces, I was in this state of grief. Um, you know, I called it me mourning the loss of, you know, me mourning the loss of a marriage because it was, you know, you saw this life for yourself and with this person and you were trying to build this life together and you had these blocks in place and then all of a sudden you've got to come in like, you know, a two-year-old with Legos and knock it all down so you can restart. And that's hard. And uh, grief really showed up for me there. Um, obviously, with the loss of my best friend, Andrew, is that's really hitting me hard. But the loss of a friendship in general, um, not because that person has passed away, but because you guys aren't friends anymore. There's a couple of people that it's like, I've had to cut ties with them because they weren't the best suit for me. Um, I wasn't into the drama or the chaos that they brought into my life. And they're good people, but I just, I couldn't deal with it. You know, because I've got enough craziness going on, I, I just, I couldn't deal with it. Um, another one is... Um, <laughs> and this is obviously not me, but retirement. That would be, you know, like, hey, you've gotten to a certain place in your life and now you don't have to work anymore and it should be a joyous time, but it's like, wow, shit, I'm old. <laughs> um, selling the family home, that did get me. So my parents had sold their home and I think it was 2012. I think it was around the same time my um my grandmother sold her house as well and like that was hard. Um those homes are something that I grew up in and I have so many memories and you know like it was almost 30 years of memories and that's hard to um to let go of. Another one that I'm dealing with right now as well is uh dreams. You know, like when you have a goal or a dream, a goal that you, you didn't achieve or a big dream that you you can't accomplish because uh, your life goes a different direction. That's hard. You know, when I was uh, when I was living at the, the marina, when I was living and, and working at the marina and then, um, you know, I lost my job there and started working with a construction company, but I was still living there. That was hard. That was that was a lot of grief and, and, and sorrow to to be able to navigate through. Losing a job, loss of health, uh, loss of financial stability, the death of a pet. That's definitely hard. With all of these things, there's certain levels of um, either you resonate with it or you don't. You either get it or you don't. There's, uh, there's several myths associated with grief and, um, you know, myth one is that the pain will go away faster if you ignore it. 
And I know that for a fact that that's not, I need to write in my journal. I need to process it. I need to talk with people. I need to have to get it out. If I just sit with it, it's just going to fester and it's just going to make it worse. Um, trying to ignore your pain or keep it from surfacing will only make it worse in the long run for he, uh, for real healing, it is necessary to face your grief and actively deal with it. It's important to be strong in the face of loss. Like, it kind of resonates with that too. That's a myth. Myth number three. If you don't cry, it means you aren't sorry about the loss. Like, okay, well, this chick cries all the time. I'll cry with the Hallmark movie. So, um, grieving should last about a year. Like, that is not true. Um, moving on with your life means forgetting about your loss. And I know that that is definitely not true. And so that's the, uh, the last myth that they have here. Um, but here are, um, there's six steps that this website gives. And these are actually some of the things, a few of these are some of the things that I had already written up. And so it kind of solidifies that the, the research is, is definitely out there. So Number one, acknowledging your pain. That's pretty much where I'm at on a, a regular basis. If I can write it down and put it into words to get it out of my brain, it kind of helps me to process the words, you know, goes from a left brain to a right brain thing, process the words and, and you know, kind of work through it that way. Um, step number two, or number two, it's not step number two. These aren't like the 12 step program. So number one, acknowledging your pain. Number two, accept that grief can trigger many different and unexpected emotions. For me, it showed up as guilt that I wasn't there for him or, uh, you know, sadness, obviously, you know, it, really horrible sadness, like just crying uncontrollably. Uh, anger, anger showed up like pissed off that he didn't call me. He didn't talk to me. He didn't let me know. Like those are just a few on the surface. It, and it's just, there's a lot of random emotions that you can go through. So um, number three, understand that your grieving process will be unique to you. Like just because Sally worked through it and is, you know, doing her thing doesn't mean how she went through it is going to be work for you. And that's why I'm giving examples and it's cool. You know, like if it doesn't work for you, that's fine. But you need to talk to somebody and figure out what's going to work for you. Um, seek out face-to-face -face support from people who care about you. That one's hard for me because I have a lot of people that care about me, but I don't feel that um, a lot of these people can get the relationship that Andrew and I had. Like, yes, he was my ex-boyfriend in high school. And yes, we've been friends over two decades. And, you know, yes, it's... It's one of those, like, I would talk to him about anything and everything. It didn't matter what time of the day. So it's like, I don't know of anybody that can relate to that to be able to talk to that, you know? And so it's, 
I don't know. I'm probably making excuses of why. Like, I talked to my husband about it, but it's not in depth like that. Number five, support yourself emotionally by taking care of yourself physically. This girl will take a hot shower and have a hot cry. Apparently, your vagus nerve gets kind of reset when you're in a hot shower. And so taking deep breaths also helps that uh, so or stimulate it, not necessarily reset it. So I take deep breaths, have a hot cry in the shower, have a hot shower. That's kind of how I'm taking care of myself physically. But uh, lighting Palo Santo and some candles also helps as well. Uh, number six, the final one here, recognizing the difference between grief and depression. This is a big one, y'all. Being super sad and upset that you were going through something is one thing, but not wanting to get out of bed, not wanting to eat or wanting to eat everything. Distancing yourself from everybody uh, copious amounts of alcohol or whatever, you know, thing that you're trying to numb yourself with. Look for these signs. And if that's you, you need to seek help immediately. Like, don't sit there and wait. If that's you, please seek help. And then just to kind of go into the brief, like, uh, the five stages of grief. So these are some things I really haven't, I haven't worked my way through the final one. So, I, and I... You don't really kind of go through them like once you've worked your way through step one, you've gone into step two. It's it's not like that, but it's um, they're just for me. It's it's fluid. You know, denial was definitely the first one when I learned that Andrew was super sick, and uh, I I didn't believe it, and I thought that people were playing a sick joke on me. Even when after I found out that he was dead. And I had gone down there. I thought he was still playing a sick joke on me because he was he was the funny guy. He was that guy. And so and I felt even worse that I had driven all the way down there thinking this was a sick joke. And so so denial, anger, pissed off at him for not calling me, not talking to me, not opening up to anybody. I was pissed off at him for, you know, like not seeking help when he knew he probably should have. Uh, bargaining, driving down there, praying to God, whatever you want me to do, just tell me I'll do it. Just don't take him home. Depression. There was, there was a period of time that, that, and I still kind of go through that. But last winter, that was hard. That was a hard winter. Um, and then your final step of, of acceptance. And I don't think that I have gotten there. Um, I know He's not here anymore, uh, but it's still unbelievable. Okay, I'm going to get it together. It's still hard for me to believe that this person isn't on this planet anymore. That I can't pick up my phone and call him. That's hard. So I still can't believe it. I'm still in that, you know, I'm still in the denial phase. So, And then just some, some real symptoms of grief. Shock and disbelief, sadness, guilt, fear, anger. Those are all things that I have felt at one time or the other or have felt simultaneously. Um, you don't just have room for one emotion. You can feel 
several emotions at the same time. So you can't, you know, you don't have to just label your emotion one one at a time. It's okay for you to be pissed off and be completely sad at the same time. Some actual, like some real symptoms of grief, you know, if, if it gets beyond this, that's when you definitely should, but uh, fatigue, uh, lower immunity, which, you know, I don't even know, uh, weight loss or weight gain, acne and pains, insomnia. Definitely for me, insomnia was a huge one and I still kind of go through that. I wasn't the greatest sleeper before, but after he had passed, it was really hard for me to sleep. And I think knowing my triggers, um, you know, the day he died and his birthday are huge triggers. Um, so I kind of seclude myself from people on those days. Um, just to give a moment uh, for my brain to not have to be social and processing all of those feelings at the same time. But knowing my triggers is is really important. Um, sometimes, you know, the emotions just pop out of nowhere and I know that I can't really recoil them as quick as they, you know, they popped out. It reminds me of those... Um, those like snake in a can things you get as a kid and like you, you know, open the can and the snake pops out and scares the shit out of your little sister. And, you know, it's, but it's like, it'll come out really quick, but trying to get that jerk back in the can is not the easiest. And so I, 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 you know, I kind of relate that to the emotions will come out randomly and instead of me trying to recoil it real quick and, and get my shit together, I just acknowledge them and I hold space for them. And I try not to navigate too fast through them because if I do, it's just going to be waiting for me at the end of the day. And it's going to be even harder for me to process because I know it's not easy. Like if you're in the middle of work, you know, like luckily I work from home, but like if you're in the middle of, you know, let like a boat full of people or a room full of people, it's not going to be easy to be like, okay, hey, I need to take a minute to grieve. It's, you know, just excuse yourself, put yourself in the bathroom, you know, hold space for for a couple of minutes, breathe, definitely breathing. That's my thing. Take a good deep breath, get it together and, and move forward. Um, but I try to either start my day or end my day with journaling. Typically now it's, um, it's towards the end of the day where I, I journal and, um, writing, writing it down definitely. So I can hold space for every single one of those feelings, trying to name each one of those feelings, um, definitely helps. So, okay. So I think I covered it all. It's a brutal topic, and but it's one of those ones where if I can help one person, I'm here for it. And so that's what I'm, why I'm doing what I'm doing. So I appreciate you getting to the end of this episode. If you're still here, thank you very much. I promise next week it'll be more upbeat. And uh, just thank you very much for tuning in and you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I appreciate all of your love and support. If you really love today's episode, you should subscribe. 
And if you subscribe, then you get notifications of when my next episode launches. So another way to be super awesome would be to leave a rating and review or recommend it to your friends and family. If you're wicked awesome, you've already done all three. Another way to keep up with me and my crazy family is check out my website at chaoticcompass.com and I do blog and other stuff there. So I appreciate everything for you guys. I do this for you. So keep it up because the more you subscribe, the more I do.